The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. See their limited edition giant silver Tribble available for pre-order today at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is John Billingsley, Dr. Phil Flox from Star Trek Enterprise. Now, I'm reading something that was written for me, and I think they could have done better. So this yes. is not me. This is them. My prescription for you is a healthy dose of the Track Geeks podcast starring Dan Davidson and Bill. He could have done better, Smith. It truly is the best medicine. Oh, come on, boys. And here's how they close it. Doctor's orders. Shame, tisk tisk. For the record, that was Dan Davidson that wrote that. That was me. <laughs> Wow. Well, that's uh, even better because now it's forever blamed on Bill. That's forever blamed on Bill. There <laughs> Thank you, you, Mr. Bacula. There you go. Ooh, <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Deja Vu Department of Podfleet Command, which I think is on this floor. It seems like it ought to be. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you humans across the galaxy, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode number 274. We're so glad you've joined us. Um, great to be back. Here we are at the end of the year 2021 as we record this, and... Um, it's hard to believe we're through another year. Of course, by we, I do mean my illustrious co-host and I. You know, if he were part of a hologram simulation that needed repairing, I would just shut the damn thing off. Hmm. He's the largely deactivatable Dan Davidson. And Dan, um, Arch? Wow. <laughs> That's a great introduction. Thanks. Um, great to be here. You're welcome. All right. And th- next week, we're going to have for you... Wow, I just want—I want the show to end now. No, that was terrible. <laughs> actually, it was that could happen. Funny, actually, yeah, <laughs> you do control the button. I do. Um, so yeah, I do. It's, it's great to be here, man. And and I do love your introductions all the time. So thank you very much. It's uh, it's great to be here. I would I would not delete you from my holographic program. I would make like fifty of you, and then make you do all the hard labor. So I'd be the EMH Mark One, exactly. Yeah, on that yeah. planet. Yeah, absolutely. Or but, whatever yeah. it is before I get people at me. But you have that more I got it hair. Wrong. Yeah, well, 
Yeah. So there you have. I probably wouldn't after you were done programming it. <laughs> yeah, or it would be like really cut bad. Anyway, I, I, I digress, which tends to happen on Trek Geeks. But, you know, when we haven't talked for a little while, that, that, that happens, you know, Disney and stuff. And stuff. Hi. Um, <laughs> I mentioned the Deja Vu department. And I say yeah. that because we're talking about an episode today that is really reminiscent of another episode and has a face that we're really used to seeing, but differently. God, it seems like we've talked about this before. It's uh, we're very familiar about it's all very of familiar. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're going to actually continue our discussion of uh, Enterprise 20, and we're going to talk about a season one episode called Oasis. Um, I, I actually watched this episode for the first time, and probably since it first aired 20 years ago, um, very recently. Um, and it was, it was I'm going to say right now, it's tough to watch. And the reason it's tough to watch is because our favorite, Renee Abergenois is is one of the stars, guest stars in this episode. Um, and it was tough. It was tough to watch him because as we record this, it has been one year and a week since he passed, or two weeks since he passed. Uh, or two years. Oh, two no, years. What? Two years. Oh my God, it's two, two years. years. That's just that's just crazy. Um, so it's very um it's very it's very sad, but it's so great to see him on screen anytime we have the opportunity. So um what a great way to honor him and to continue to honor Enterprise twenty by talking about the season one, episode twenty, I believe. You know, Rene Aubergenois is the kind of actor that Star Trek fans have truly come to appreciate. I mean, he's been in so many things. Yeah. But every time you see him, undoubtedly he's one of the best actors on the screen. Um, and we'll talk more about Renee and his legacy in a little bit. Um, but this is, this is an episode that I was interested to talk about simply because it does something that Star Trek hasn't really ever done before. Bringing a series regular back as a different character in a different series. Yeah. Um, and that's, that, that's kind of new ground. It is. And, and, and one of the things that I like so much about it, it worked. Yeah. It really did. You weren't saying, oh, that's Odo. Not a single time did I think that during this episode. I thought something else, which we'll get into, but I never thought that during this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just amazed that you pulled together a cogent thought in any way, quite it frankly. It doesn't happen very often, so I'll take it when I can get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's the holiday season, so I should just be happy about it. Um, a little, you know, bit of housekeeping note. Mm-hmm. Um, so normally what would happen at the end of the year is we'd go into a couple of weeks worth of outtakes before the end of the year. Um simply just due to scheduling and timing and all the work that we are doing to do the Mm -hmm. uh, Trek Talks telethon for the Hollywood Food Coalition, the outtakes extravaganza won't be happening this year. Right. Um, We'll do this episode in two weeks. We'll be back with another episode. After that, we'll run a best of, and then we'll be back for all new episodes in 2021. Mm -hmm. But um, it's... We're doing a telethon. We're doing a telethon, and I got to say, it's it's not a bad thing that we're not doing a, a um, an outtakes episode because that means that all y'all can just go back and listen to every episode from January first of twenty twenty one and listen to them all to the end, and you can listen to the outtakes anyway. That's very true, right? That's one hundred percent true. Helps but our um, download numbers. No, <laughs> Coming up, January fifteenth is the Trek Talks live stream telethon to benefit oh, Hollywood, Hollywood Food Coalition. Uh, presented by us and by our friends at the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Um, at present, we haven't released all of the names yet. We've released the first five. Um, <laughs> and I mean, we're talking names like Jonathan Frakes, yeah. Jonathan Delarco, yeah. uh, Gates McFadden, Harmon Shimmerman. My God. John Billingsley. Unbelievable. Um, 
But right now we're looking at 60 or 65 different guests for this telethon. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, it's going to be epic, Dan. It's going to be epic. Now, of course, that's subject to change because we could add some people may not be available after saying that they, they'd love to join us. So that could change. We got so many great things planned for this day. It's going to be an all day event. We're going to be wearing tuxes a lot that day, I think. Are you going to wear tuxes? There's going to be, we need to have a tux fitting? I, I don't know. You know the, all telethons kind of have a tux person, don't they? Um, Let's have Billingsley do the tux. Uh, a champion <laughs> is probably the only one oh, he, well, he, who yeah. owns a tux. Or he could wear his ascot. That would probably be good, too. No, if somebody's going to wear a tux, you know it's going to be John Champion, who was also one of the co-hosts of this event with us and co-producing it. Oh, I love that idea. Um, I'm just going to be looking if I'm wearing pants that day. (laughs) Well, as long as you got something um, from the chest up, you'll be fine. You don't have pants on right now, so it's like just any other day. Oh. Sorry. Dan, as always, we want to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Yeah, absolutely. We can't thank them enough for all the amazing products that they've released over the course of the last year, man. And and with every past holiday season, this year's 2021 holiday pin is just spectacular. It's the USS Discovery surrounded by a holiday wreath. And not only is it a pin, it can actually be hung on your tree as an ornament. And... I got to say, who would have ever thought that Lou would come up with something that can actually multitask because he can't. <laughs> that that actually is a fact. <laughs> yeah. um, plus, right now, you can also get the two newest pins in the Women of Trek collection, and they are Yeoman Janice Rand and Dr. Jillian Hicks from Star Trek IV, The One with the Whales, which is kind of cool because this pin actually does have George and Gracie along with the wonderful doctor herself. And um, finally, um, on our last episode, we announced a new contest to win the latest lower deck pins from fansets, and they are Captain William Riker and Deanna Troy of the USS Titan. And we want to take a moment right now to congratulate Rob Tafine, who has been our random winner. Rob, congratulations. You're going to love these pins. We're going to contact you via DM, and we're going to get those pins right out to you, hopefully before uh, the holiday uh, big day. You know, I got to, I got to say that holiday pin really is amazing. And a big congrats to Rob for me as well, but everyone else, you know what I'm going to say? Cause I say it every single episode, get yourselves on over to fansets.com, put a whole, whole bunch of pins and accessories in your cart, or maybe even some gift cards for some amazing Christmas gifts for your friends or podcast co-hosts. And at checkout, be sure to enter this week's exclusive discount code OASIS. That's O-A-S-I-S in all capital letters for an exclusive holiday season 15% off your entire order. That's right. It's the holiday season and Fansets is giving you the gift of an additional 5% discount, but you'd better hurry. This offer is going to be good until December 29th, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. And don't forget, when you spend more than $30 on Fansets.com, you will automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character, and we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. If you've been waiting to get one of the brand new special edition Tribbles from Science Division, wait no longer because they make the perfect gift for the Star Trek fan in your life, even if that person is you. 
They really do. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you read the actual copy. <laughs> the Silver Edition Special Triple is an officially licensed, amazing high-quality Star Trek collectible, which we know you'll be proud to add to your collection. The Silver Tribbles come in two sizes, regular, and, well, let's be honest, it's giant. And it's a whopping 14 inches across. Act now to ensure you receive your official adoption certificate because we know how Federation bureaucracies can be, mm. you know? Yeah. Hey, and by the way, the sounds the Tribble makes, they are straight out of the original series. You are going to swear that this Tribble was delivered straight from Space Station K7 right to your door, Dan. Yeah, plus Science Division Tribbles have their own app that you can use to control the Tribble. It's not necessary, but it, it is a ton of fun to make it scream at people like annoying podcast co-host but fret not everyone except bill knows that that's right you guessed it here it comes here it comes <laughs> dribbles are not dangerous i thought for christmas you might give me the gift of not doing that but i see that ship has sailed i think the christmas gift would be to say it over and over and over again for like five minutes no so head on over to sciencediv.com right now to pick up one of the galaxy's first interactive dribbles for your very own plus while you're there check out their new and improved shop accessory section where you can get all kinds of Science Division swag like t-shirts and mugs, or even the legendary Science Division tote bag. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Hi, Dr. Phil Flox, also known as John Billingsley, speaking. I am the president of the board of the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific multi-course meals to the unhoused, and to those in need seven nights a week. We assist as many as 100 nonprofits with their food needs, buttressing extraordinary social service programs. We work with community partners to address issues of food insecurity here in SoCal. We do lots of other great stuff, but how much time do we have? If you're in LA, come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. Well, Dan, here we are. We're going to talk about an episode today that I don't think a lot of people would have come to the top of their minds when they start to think about Enterprise and celebrating Enterprise 20. But this episode is fairly significant in that it sees the return of one of our all-time favorite people in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, absolutely. Season 1, Enterprise Oasis. It's episode 20, so Enterprise 20, and we're talking about episode 20. That's kind of cool. That just was just by ha happenstance. But yeah, Rene Aubergenois <laughs> joins th the cast of Enterprise in a guest role. And and as, as you stated, it's the first time a Star Trek series regular returns to a different Star Trek series in a guest role as a different character. And I got to say, he is just so good. And it doesn't matter if he's on the screen for two minutes or a half an hour. He, he steals every scene. Uh, he absolutely does. We should say, uh, we do mean live action. Yes. Because there are plenty uh, of instances yeah. where Jimmy Dewan voices uh, 50 different characters in right. the original animated series. Yes. Same with Majel Barrett Roddenberry. We get it. Uh, we're talking about live action actors specifically. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you, know, you for the clarification. It, it boggles my mind. You know, I'm watching the opening credits of this episode, you know, and you get to the guest stars. And the one thing I really thought should be there was special guest star, mm -hmm. Rene Aubergenois. Instead, it just says, Rene Aubergenois. 
Yeah, and maybe that's something he wanted. He didn't want any extra attention added to his portrayal of the character that he plays. I don't know. Um, but before we get too much into Renee, I do want to say, especially with those opening credits, can I just say that it's been – I haven't watched it since – I think it the first run of this episode. So it's probably been 20 years. If I've seen it again, it was 15 years ago. It's been a long, sure. long time. Since that time, I've had the um, honor of, of going out to California with my wife and attending a Dancing with the Stars episode, which I've talked about on the podcast. And I'm watching the opening teasing scene, and I'm like, my God, if this guy, Damar, interesting name, is not familiar. Oh, my God, I know that voice from somewhere. Tom Bergeron as after the opening scene and then they have the guest stars. Tom Bergeron's the first one that comes up and I'm like, oh my God, Dancing with the Stars. He's been in Star Trek. It all comes together. It's like Kevin. Star Trek is the Kevin Bacon of the uh, nine degrees of Kevin Bacon in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. That's nine when you add Star Trek because it takes place in the future. Oh, I, that makes no sense at all. None at all, but I have to cover myself some way. <laughs> you know, it's amazing because if you didn't have any insight as to Tom Bergeron ever being in Star Trek, you would hear that voice and you go, wait a second. <laughs> that sounds super familiar. Yeah. I mean, whether you've seen him on Hollywood Squares or Dancing with the Stars, or actually yep. Tom got his start here in Boston. Here in a lo- yeah, on a local, yep. uh, at the time, NBC affiliate, WBZ, which is now a CBS station. Chronicle. Um, yeah, it, he's from Haver- Haverhill, Mass. Mm hmm. Yep, Chronicle was on Channel Five, by the way. Oh, was it? Okay. Well, I want when I was out there, I real I wanted to say hi to him, um, and he came right by me, but he was in a rush, and I was gonna shake his hand and say that I used to watch him back in in his old days in Boston, but I didn't get the opportunity. Those were old days. Actually, Bergeron comes back to play another character. Is it in Voyager? No, it's in it Enterprise. Enterprise? He forget. does a second turn in Enterprise. I did not know that. Yes, he does. He's the uh, uh, Coordinate Ambassador. Okay. Well, he that's wears, great. He wears what looks like a face mask, mm-hmm. um, but he represents his government at the uh, Coalition of Planet Meetings held in San Francisco in 2155. I, I think it's did. in the Enterprise episode Demons. I'm thinking you're right, because you probably just read it. Um, <laughs> you didn't pull that out of your mind. <laughs> I, I, pulled out the, I pulled the episode name out. Ah, there you go. Uh, and the year. You were you're very impressive. The you're rest of it me. was... Was all well, from my uh, my little pea brain up here. Well, well done, well done, my friend. Since we're talking about guest stars, I mean, we can't let this go by and not mention mm-hmm. Annie Wershing oh as my. Liana. Yep. I mean, uh, when Renee Aubergenois died, and we'll talk about this in, in just a minute or so, um, she tweeted that this episode was her first TV job working on a soundstage. And she commented on how amazing it was to work with somebody like Renee, who was a total pro. But Annie Wershing is really great in this episode. She really, really is. And I have to apologize to her because when she was cast as, and and I'm sorry if this is a spoiler alert, it's spoiler alert, it's been out there long enough. She's been cast to be the board queen in Picard season two. And when she was cast, I was ecstatic. And I'm like, oh my God, she's going to, you know, I loved her in 24. It's going to be great to finally have her in Star Trek because it's been so long since I'd seen this episode. I had completely forgot that she has already been in Star Trek. So I apologize for that. Um, She's, she is fantastic in this episode and you would never know it was her first gig on a soundstage because she does a great job in this episode i loved her lucky lucky for you the trek geeks account actually welcomed her back to star trek yes uh, because well, see, that's somebody the, running the account yeah, knew what was going on i let the i let the professionals handle that stuff because you know yeah. eyes can't type or talks good 
Um, and in this case, I'm the professional, and I'm going <laughs> to remind you you said that. Of uh, course, now I have it you know, recorded for all for time. For all time. <laughs> yeah. And since I do the editing, you can bet I'm going to probably replay this section right here. No, new ringtone? <laughs> yeah, new ringtone. Um, you know, this episode is... It's an average script. I mean, this is not the kind of episode that bowls you over. You know, when you think about having a high-value guest star like Rene Aubergenois, um, you want to use him for an episode that is going to attract some viewers, mm-hmm. typically. Yep. Um, that's not what this script is. It is a very... Uh, I hate to use the word average, but this is an average episode of Star Trek that tells a very Star Trek-like story. And there's really nothing... Um, overwhelming about the story or its impact honestly but doesn't it it doesn't that give credit to the actors because they make an average script and an average story something that is memorable especially in renee and and annie's roles um it's when you look at it it kind of is a ship in a bottle episode it's, it takes place on this ship for the most part. There's a couple yeah. scenes in Enterprise, but but there's really nothing else going on except them walking around these dark corridors a lot. Um, and yeah, it, I got to say, if if other people were in these guest roles, I really wonder if it would have been one of the bigger clunkers of the season. It's very possible. I mean, having exceptional actors really can help elevate a story. I mean, it happens with Peter Weller later on in Enterprise mm-hmm. with that whole Terra Prime storyline. Yeah. That's a storyline that is kind of okay. Yeah. But when you get somebody like Peter Weller, I mean, it brings a gravitas to the screen. And and that's exactly what Renee does in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I found it I found it very interesting that in addition to what's going on on the ship. I loved so early in this series because we're only in season one and episode twenty that the 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 um, back and forth teasing, um, subtle insulting, and sexual tension between T'Pol and Tucker is very apparent, and the jealousy that T'Pol is not supposed to have is extremely apparent when he starts showing uh, his affection for uh, Annie's character. It, it really is. And that it's, you're right. It's a little on the nose. It's yeah. very obvious. On the ears, um, maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I see uh, what yeah. you did there. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Liana, Liana, that's the character name. Sorry. Yeah, it escaped Liana. me for a moment. I did say that about five minutes ago. Yes. Uh, well, I don't listen to you anyway. I'm so. sorry. What? <laughs> this, this episode. I, I, the, so the first time I watched this. Back in, I want to say it was spring of 2002, I guess. I, I watched this episode. I'm like, wait a second. Um, this is a Deep Space Nine episode. This is shadow oh, yeah. play for all intents and purposes, which Odo plays a major part in. Yep, true. Uh, he, Odo and Dax come down to this this planet colony and people are disappearing for no reason. Mm-hmm. They're trying to f- help figure out what's going on. Turns out it's the holograms. And the people don't know that they're holograms. And this is a very similar situation. They kind of have to help uh, reinforce that matrix and save the the community. They kind of shrink it down to a ship in this episode. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they yeah. really do. And but it's the similarities are not lost on me. I saw it in two thousand two. I'm like, now I know why they have Renee in this episode. It's essentially a, a rip off of 
of shadow play. Yeah. But in rewatching it again today, I, I think it's a little more layered than just being a ripoff of shadow play. To me, watching it now in 2021, I really get shades of the cage in this episode. Oh, that's interesting. You know, because you've got a, a crash landed vessel, which from space looks like an Imperial Star Destroyer, by the way. It does. And very, very much so. And you've got this this young humanoid female who is is there with, you know, a a, a parental figure. And although this one is not a, a manifestation of of illusion, um I think the two storylines are, are very parallel. I think it's almost a, a cross between the cage and shadow play as I watch it now. Hmm. Also, maybe a little uh, Requiem for Methuselah, if you oh, think yeah. about it, with uh, yeah. with Flint and trying to protect uh, Reina Kopek, as Kirk would like to say. Um, even though it's a little <laughs> bit different in that, uh, you know, she didn't know she was an android, but... But Liana knows what's going on, but still, he's trying to protect her. He wants to raise her. He wants to keep her there and not expose her to any of the uh, things outside of what she's been used to her whole life. The thing that really gets me is that Liana is so conditioned in this episode that she's okay with repeating the lies yeah. that that her father, Ezreal, taught her. Mm-hmm. You know, they say they've been there for three years. Well, I mean, it's obvious that they haven't been there only three years. So at some point she's complicit in this. And I I guess I wonder, is it because that's what her father wants or because she doesn't want to hurt her father by potentially taking them away from there? That's a good question. And I would pose another question is what's the big deal with them being there as long as they have been why does it? Why does he come up with a lie of it being three years? I mean, I understand that would open up more questions with how have you survived this long? But yeah. if they've got that hydroponics bay uh, and everything going, it, it, you know, I, I, that was that was a little that was something that I was questioning. I'm like, why is three years such a big deal? I mean, it certainly didn't take them long to scan the ship and find out that it was a lot longer. So that was kind of a one that, you know, unless the Paclids are the ones in orbit, they're going to be able to figure out pretty fast. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, and and. Liana seems just really comfortable with the fact that everybody else around her is a hologram, including her mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, you see them interact throughout the whole thing. And, you know, at one point, you kind of figure that the mom is real too. But as it turns out, she's not. So she's developed this relationship with not her mom that seems very parental and asking for advice on her father and all of those things, all of which her father is programmed, which is a little weird. It is a little weird. I also thought it was a little weird on how uh, nonchalantly he, when he was telling the story of what really happened, just happened to throw in there, my wife was one of the first killed. It was like, okay, so that is a hologram. Yeah. Which, like you said, you might thought that maybe just the family survived, but I mean, let's face it. He is a, he's damaged goods. He's got, he's got a yeah. burden. Um, and, and it's another amazing portrayal by Renee, um, you know, one of the things that I liked about, I like and dislike about Star Trek is you always have different races of aliens and you only have to put a couple of pieces of prosthetic on it to make them alien. In this case, it looks like they took a whole bunch of like sunflower seeds and put them on their temples <laughs> and then had a really bad case of eczema going down the back of their neck and to the back, the back of their head. And it works. But he's able to to bring across in just his facial features that burden that he has of what he's done and the concern of 
of leaving and the love of his daughter all in one package. He's able to do that as an actor in this episode, which is one of the reasons I love him so much. Uh, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, one of one of the criticisms I have of this episode is, is Trip. Because I feel like season one of Enterprise really becomes Trip Trek <laughs> one too many times. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where Trip is, I don't want to say stepping out of line, but he's clearly the one to advocate what the viewer would want to say, but he's a little too, he's a little too bold about it. Yeah. You know, when he, he essentially tells Ezral that he's, you know, being selfish, um, that's not for Trip to make that determination. Yeah. He's advocating for Liana, but, um, at one point, if I were Archer, I, I, I probably would have told Trip to dial it back or told him to get the hell out of the room, honestly. Yeah. Yep. And I, I feel like it, it becomes a little tropey for Trip in season one, but I, I think that's just me. I also, if as I think about the character of Trip and the things that he goes through, it doesn't go away very much during the subsequent seasons. It always seems to be something that his character is doing or dealing with. Maybe not as much, but it's definitely there. And I mean, one of the things that I did like was to Paul's dig about the last time that you helped a female <laughs> Zyrillian, you got pregnant. <laughs> and I thought that was, I thought that was a, that was really one of the funniest moments of the episode. I, I do appreciate the callbacks that these characters make among each other. Um, that to me is probably one of the, the funniest moments of the episode. Yep. Um, Travis seems to forget that, I mean, just uh, a handful of episodes ago, he was telling ghost stories himself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's it, they've they've already experienced hollow technology. I'm amazed it took him half the episode to come up with the term holograms here. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get into that later about the holograms. I got some issues with that. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Renee. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now been two years since Renee left us. And I got to tell you that watching this episode, it was tough, man. I, you know, obviously I have a vast appreciation for Renee's body of work. I have loved every time he's appeared on screen. I I personally, for me, I think he's one of the finest actors we've ever seen, not just in Star Trek, but I mean, just in, in acting itself. Yeah. And to know that he's no longer with us, it, it almost, it really does affect me the way when I see Leonard on screen now. Um, you know, th- there's that, there's that bond that, that I miss with watching, you know, new things from that actor. So it was, it was tough to watch, uh, enjoyable, but man, it, it re- made me really miss him. I watched it two nights ago as we're recording right now. And I was teared up several times watching scenes, especially when he was in the captain's quarters towards the end, laying out his feelings to Captain Archer about about his concern about what Trip was saying to Liana and what Trip and that Trip was just pretty you know blunt. Um, and the voice, it's the voice, dude. It's it's it. That's what gets me. You know, this I may have said this already, and, and I apologize if I did. The voice is very specific with Renee. And with Odo, he's got that gruff, which I like to, to tease about every once in a while when I do my Odo impersonations. But his voice in this episode just made me think of the character he played in Far Beyond the Stars when everyone was playing a different race. And he was the human, he was the editor at the, at the, at the uh, place where Benny worked. And that voice just drilled into me 
during this episode when I was watching, and I got very, very sad. I really did. Uh, it's it's like you said, it's been two years and and a little over a week, and it's 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 awful. It just I just it's in some ways to me, it's bigger than Leonard. It really is wow. because Odo was such a special character to me, um, and my favorite um, favorite role that he ever played in any of the huge work that he did. So this was this was tough to watch, especially because I think it's the first time I have watched an episode of any television that had Renee that he was not Odo. Yeah, yeah, so. I've seen a couple of things he's guest starred in. Yeah, um, uh, but to see it come back to Star Trek is just it's it's a mm-hmm. little. It, it, it it's a little emotional. I'm not going to lie. There are some mannerisms that Renee has yes. that transcend whatever <laughs> yep. character he plays. Yep. And there's a scene where he delivers a line and then walks out the, turns around and goes out the, the door. Yeah. And you can tell it's total Renee because Odo has made that sort of same <laughs> punches the line, turns and pivots and, and goes. You expect him to go, huh? I really did. <laughs> I really Absolutely. did. Yep. Um, and it, it just, it, that made me smile because I mean, that's just, that's part of Renee coming through to whatever he plays, but you could, I could see it. I've seen him do it a hundred times on deep space nine. <laughs> I see him do it here and it's like, oh man, that was just totally classic. Um, it, it's interesting to me that, um, Brandon Braga referred to this particular episode as terrible in 2012. Interesting. Um, hmm. on the Blu-ray features for, for Enterprise season one. Um, and I'm amazed that, that he would call it terrible because I mean, this is really an episode you could drop into any series. Do you think it's possible that he was talking about like what we said at the beginning? The script isn't awesome. The story isn't spectacular. It's kind of a ship in a bottle episode. And if not for the cat, the the guest cast, and and the regular cast because they do a good job as they always do. That it wasn't really a great episode. Who knows? But well, even but I mean, after the episode's done, for him to say that, even with the people involved, is it's a surprise to me. Especially over a decade later. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. there are terrible episodes of Star Trek, and Absolutely. I don't think of this one as being not among a, them. No, not at all. Yeah, it's. Not at uh, all. It's funny, we've been talking a lot with John Billingsley as we prepare the uh, the Hollywood Food Coalition <laughs> telethon that's going to happen on January 15th, 2022. And uh, Flox is really only in one scene in this <laughs> episode. And he's like, he shows up and he says, well, you don't need me. <laughs> and and you, you don't see Flox again. And I'm going to tease him the next time we talk to him because he talks about how sometimes he was only in one scene. And I'm going to be like, yep, first episode I've seen is you as Flox since we started these discussions about the uh, about the run-up to the uh, to the fundraiser. And yeah. Ooh, boy, how much time did that take of your day? <laughs> it was probably like four hours makeup. <laughs> and 30 seconds of filming. 30, 30 uh, my services are the, no longer required. <laughs> 30 seconds to shoot 30. the scene from that angle. Lots um, of standing around for coverage. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I wanted to fall back on for just a second, you were yeah. talking about the mannerisms that Renee had. And one thing popped into my mind, and I thought this instantly when I was watching the episode, there's another scene, and I think it actually may be the same scene what I talked about earlier where he's talking to Archer, where 
the emotion is coming through. And he does this look on his face where he kind of widens his eyes and looks down and up again. And I instantly thought of the character that he played in Fire Beyond the Stars, Doug Pabst is his name, when he fired Benny. He took his glasses off and he didn't want to look him in the eye because he was embarrassed about it. And he did that same wide eye look up and down. And that's, I mean, it's total, total Renee with that. I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It really is. I really appreciate, although... I well, I, I'm on the record of saying I, I do think there's a little too much trip in season one. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate Archer in this episode because he's a very calm and steadied presence. He he doesn't overreact at all in this episode, and we've seen episodes so far in Enterprise season one where Archer Archer can only rely on his judgment at this phase. It's like they say in Dear Doctor: there's no directive, there's no rule book, right? Um, and I, I appreciate. That, that that Archer didn't go all Kirk here. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, I'm going to fall back to that same – I've talked about this scene three times now. When when um, Ezra is talking to Archer in the captain's uh, office or quarters, he is very even-tempered. He is listening to everything, and he doesn't make snap decisions, which we see Archer do a lot. We do see him do that. Um and I, I really like that he was taking everything into consideration and then was very nice and saying, would you like us to help you with getting things set up for leaving the planet? Very nicely, very yeah. cordially. He under, and, and what I liked is he had the empathy in his voice that he understood what, what Ezra was going through and was still there to help him in any capacity that he needed. I also have to, to wonder if Ezra said, no, we're going to stay here. Would Archer have said okay and left? I think he would have had to. I think he would have had to also. And I think he would have. And I think T'Pol would have counseled him to do that too because um, they've been there. Yeah. They're not hurting anything. They're in no danger. Yeah. Uh, They have the free will and the choice to decide to stay there uh, if they want to. So you know what this just popped into my head, and I may be going off on a complete tangent here, but and yeah. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert for you, those of you who haven't seen um, Discovery season two, two or three, three, um, the episode where they go out to try to rescue someone, and the whole family's holograms because he's like stuck in a transporter beam or something like that. That just popped into my head for some reason. The holograms, um, the messages that kept playing over and over again, and he was stuck in the center of the station. Um, yeah, the, the, I, that the, just popped the, in my the head. Barzans. The Barzans, yeah. That just we're non leaves for some reason. Yeah. We're non leaves. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I, I'm not calling it a spoiler. It was a season ago. Yeah. It's out true. there. It's right. Um, That's right. If people haven't seen it by now, then tough. Um, go see it. <laughs> yep. And by the way, the Annie Worshing thing is not a spoiler. It's a casting announcement. That's true. It's yep. been out there. Um, yep. I can't wait for that. Oh, God. Spoilers are actual details of the plot. And mm. that doesn't tell us anything about the plot. That's true. For all we know, she's in it for for 15 seconds. We have no idea. That could be the point. Yeah, that could be it. I hope not. I hope not. (laughs) All that makeup? Wouldn't it be It's like a Flocks episode. (laughs) Which we've never seen again. Wouldn't it be interesting? I know this is not probably not the case, but wouldn't it be interesting if Annie Wershing's Borg Queen were actually her character from Star Trek Enterprise? Oh, dude, that's scary. <laughs> that's really scary. The Borg come in and, and get Liana. And it was and it happened when they were on their way home. So yeah. they forced yeah. them to leave to go home, and then they get assimilated, and she's now been alive for 
for all these years as the Borg Queen. Oh my God, dude. Thanks, Archer. That's that's evil. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Trip. And so awesome. (laughs) I love Uh, it. um, Uh, We get get precious little of some of our regular bridge crew in mm -hmm, in this particular episode. Not a lot of Malcolm. He winds up getting shot. Yeah. Um, Way to go, Malcolm. Um, (laughs) Nice job, security officer. A little bit of Mayweather, not really Hoshi, not really Phlox. Um and, and I do miss those characters' involvement in this particular episode. It's a little trip-heavy. Um, I could have even used a little bit more to Paul. I thought that could have been interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, all in all, I mean, I, I try to think of a different outcome for this particular script. And I, I think the thing I appreciate the most is that the holograms wind up coming back online. Yeah. They do. Uh, to, to your point, though, I will say uh, there was more Anthony Montgomery in this episode than we usually see of him, which I thought was good because he at least got to go away on the away mission and his opinion mattered um, because Archer was was very interested in, in what he had to say. So little Hoshi. I mean, that was just kind of like, wow, what, what did you even bring her in for? And the same with Phlox, unfortunately. Um, it's always good to see to see John when he's doing his flocks character. So yeah, they, and, and it's not a, it's not a situation that we have now with discovery, which we talked about in this week's discovering Trek and discovery. You got a huge bridge bridge crew, a lot of great actors, and you don't have the time to hmm. have them all on every week. It, it's one thing to have them on for, ten, you know, to have them on, but it's another thing to have them on just to have them on for 10 seconds. So you can say they were in, in it. And sometimes I think that's a great disservice. And we saw that in some of these older, <laughs> older Star Trek series. We're calling them older now because they're 20 <laughs> years old. Um, but yeah, that, that, that does pop into my mind. You know, it's, it's interesting to me that um, the elements of the script are, are so generic for want of a better word. Um it really does plug and play into any series. This could very easily have been a TOS episode or a next gen episode or deep space nine or whatever. And I, I, I'm glad they saved this for enterprise because I think it fits the, um, kind of initial voyage aspect of the NX one, mm-hmm. you know, we're out there. Granted, we seem to be able to deal with alien technology a little too well. Okay. True. I'm going to get past that. That happens even today in Discovery. Um, yep. I'm going to let it go. But, you know, if if this were Scotty, I wonder if, you know, would this have gone down this way? If this were Jordy or <laughs> Chief O'Brien. Of course, Chief O'Brien would have been tortured by the holograms. Um, you know, <laughs> Was one Bolana- of the holograms Ben Keiko? I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> or Belana Torres. Yeah. I, I don't think this this episode plays out the same way, even if, you know, this episode could work in any of the other series. You know what? I'm going to give you a counter argument to that. I think it possibly could have when you look at sometimes what they did incorrectly in a lot of people's views with the lead engineers, except for Bellana because she was a strong female character who I thought was great. Scotty would have fallen in love with Liana. Jordy would have fallen in love with Liana. Trip is falling in love with Liana. It's a recurring thing with the engineers on Star Trek. It's always the love interest thing that gets them in trouble because either they don't pay attention to what they should be doing or they just 
you know, go, you know, how many times did Scotty get in trouble for, you know, getting involved with somebody instead of paying attention to what he was doing? Oh, I don't know, Apollo. Let's ask Apollo. Uh, let's ask the aliens from that other episode, whatever episode that was. I can't even think of it right now. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> or Mira Romaine. Mira Romaine, yes. That's that's the one I was thinking of. I couldn't think of the or episode the- title. Or the dead dancer woman on Argelius. Yeah, Wolf in the Fold. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's it, that's another recurring theme type thing. Why is it the engineer who always has to have that problem? And I don't know if calling it a problem is the right thing, but I'll use it in this context. Well, you know, for Voyager, they would have had to make this a Harry Kim episode. Yes, exactly. Um, yep. And which is a shame because, I mean, it, they could have very easily just cast, you know, uh, Ezra as having a son and made it a blonde episode before she and Tom Paris got married. Oh, good point. But would very she easy. have, but would she have done the same things that Trip did because of the way that her, her whole mindset is, I think, way different? I don't know if it would have had the same reaction with her. It's hard to say. I mean, because yeah. you know, there are times where, especially season one, season two, Bellana would do whatever the hell Bellana wanted. Right. Including punch the hologram. Including, <laughs> yeah, including punch your face. <laughs> I just got your face in there. That's so amazing. It's. I love how we can work it in every week. Um, let's talk about the holograms for a second, Dave, yeah, let's if, do we, it. if we can. I got to say, if there's one thing that I, I don't like about this episode is how nonchalantly this whole idea of the holograms is talked about and accepted. The crew of the NX-01 just saw their first, quote, holodeck in the same episode that we were talking about a little while ago when when Trip got pregnant. So it was only a few episodes. Now there's this ship that has holograms running all over it. And, you know, if we think to Voyager, you know, where the, where are the, uh, the projectors all over the ship so that these holograms can walk around and, and when they are deactivated, they were carrying real weapons that dropped to the ground. And, and I was a little like, huh, it's interesting that the crew is so, oh, they're holograms. Well, okay, well, let's just pull these out of the computer and they'll go away. I, uh, it was just a, that was one thing that was a little bit of a stretch for me in this episode, I got to say. And it's too bad because it was a very important part of the episode. I'm interested in that. Um, I, I, for me, that didn't seem like it was a stretch. Because I have a, an easier time believing that you know they'd use real weapons because holographic weapons wouldn't shoot very well. Yeah. Um, but I, I was left more with the fact of what rights do these holograms have? You know, they have over the last 20 years had a wealth of experience and added to the lives of these people that they represent. That's a very good point. And so, you know, if you take a look at uh, Ezra's wife, you know, Liana's mother, um, she helped raise Liana. Yeah. Now she's got a wealth of experience of, of seeing Liana go from, you know, young child through womanhood into adulthood. And all of a sudden, I mean, once they get back home, what happens to that? Yeah. It, it, it also brings the question of, he's obviously, Ezra is, a, is an amazing engineer to be able to do this. He wasn't able to save his ship from the ion storm, which I found interesting. And yes, leaving his post is, a, is another matter entirely, but he's obviously a brilliant engineer. Did he like, did he build these holograms to age? Because I'm sure... Uh, Liana's mother was not as old as she appears in this episode because it's been 22 years. Hmm. Another great feat of engineering on his part. Yes, I guess you could say that, you know, he they talked about how things were rewired and shunted to different parts of the ship so he could have built 
hollow emitters. But I found it interesting that in parts of the ship that were completely dark with no power whatsoever, these holograms were still walking around. I don't think the mobile emitter had been invented yet since it's like 400 years in the future of Voyager, but that's just me. I think that I, I think that, that was on purpose to make it look like it was a derelict vessel. Okay. To protect the part of the ship where they actually lived. Well, I know that they had dampening fields in place, but yeah. I would think that a dampening field might also affect the ability to project holograms on that part of the show. I could be wrong. I'm not an engineer, but uh, I'm, I, no. I don't even know. Like I, I said, know, that, and that's just this is just being nitpicky at this point because we like to have fun with nitpickiness with episodes that we deep dive into, and that was the one that got me. Yeah, no, I, I totally am with you there. I um. That's, you bring up some really great points, uh, which is really, I find it weird to say Every that once in a while. Yeah. Never really yeah, happens. So I, well, this is once in like almost seven years. So that's, <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a really good track Thank record. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to mark this down on my calendar. <laughs> Check. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I'm really, I, I struggle with the question of what could have happened to this society because it has become its own society. It really has. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have to say as much as it pains me, I agree with Tripp's assessment that Ezreal has been selfish because if he programmed some pretty good engineers by his own admission, mm -hmm. then they could have gotten that ship probably off the surface well before this. Yeah, And he didn't want to. And it also kind of a little, a little hint of maybe uh, the EMH when he says he could have programmed a holographic daughter. I thought that was kind of funny. You know, I don't know if it was doctor meant to be that way. Yeah. A holographic doctor. Yeah. I'm like he has a he has a daughter, but you know. Did I say daughter? I meant doctor. Sorry. Yeah. Um. But yeah. And the other thing, I also kind of laughed to myself a little bit when they when he was talking about um, uh, and it brings up your question about the, the the society that has been built when he talks about how he went and buried members of the crew. I couldn't help but think of the I think it's the, the Shellyak episode of TNG with the society that doesn't want to leave the planet. And the guy kept saying, my grandfather's buried up on that hill. That popped into my head also. The instance <laughs> of command. Yes. Yep. I think the first episode with the tunics, if I remember correctly. Season, uh, th season three? It's it's not the first one. It's okay. uh, the first one of that one is actually the one with uh, the, um, uh, the doctor from Scrubs. Ah, yes. Uh, evolution. Uh, yes, you are correct. See, look at that. You're pretty good, man. I, I am that. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My <laughs> grandfather's buried up, you know, so is mine, buddy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Dial it. Yeah, but now mine's a hologram and the other one's floating up in space. <laughs> that was kind of an interesting <laughs> twist. <laughs> and then what happens after Ezral and Liana get home? All right, so they get home, they got this ship full of holograms, they dock at the spaceport, somebody comes aboard and says, oh, hey, and everybody's here, and Ezra goes, uh, well, about that. <laughs> Click. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not, they're actually buried on the, on the planet back there. Uh, what? Excuse me? But wait a second. I didn't think they got home. I thought they got assimilated by the board. Oh, we were just kidding about that. Yeah, Sorry. we were just kidding about that. <laughs> no, that's a good. That's a good point too. What these people are waiting to see, you know, they have they have loved ones that might have survived, and and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, no, they're not real. Sorry. I would have I would have been interested to see some of the far reaching implications of this episode, maybe addressed in a novel, um, because obviously it, it's not going to happen, you know, in in a television episode. Because right. like we said, this episode is is really just kind of average. Isn't it interesting though, that we can say that about so many episodes of Star Trek, it would be neat to see what happened next. And this is really a great uh, example of that, but you just said it. It's not, it's not the best written story in Star Trek. And it's when that's been told in different forms many times, but still 
it would be interesting to see. Did this, did what happened have any effect, positive or negative, on the home world when they got home? Yeah. No, I agree with you. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask you an outside the box question. Mm. So obviously, we have Rene Aubergenois coming into play as Raul. First series regular to come back as a live action character in a different series or a different live action character in a, in a different series. If Renee doesn't play as Raul, what other Star Trek regular would you have liked to have seen in that role? Cause I mean, we have a wealth of amazing actors in this franchise. Um, Renee is among the greatest of them, but I yep. mean, we, we suffer no shortage of amazing people that have worked in Star Trek. This one might be out on a limb, but based on what we've seen so far and the ability for his emotion to show through his actions, I think Anson Mount would have done a really good job with that role. Really? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's the first name that popped into my head. Yeah. Interesting. The first yeah. name that popped into my head was actually Frakes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've seen what he can do in these type of roles with the one of your favorite episodes when he's a, when he's a nut jobber. A frame of mind. Yeah. Um. I'm also going to go out on a limb and say Robert Beltran. Yeah, because I can see him in that as well. I think yeah. Robert Beltran would have done a really great job as Ezrael, um and been able to play off of some very different things than he got to do as Chakotay. I'll give you another one. Yeah. James Sloyan. Oh, my God. Can you imagine Sloyan in this episode? Yeah. Of course, obviously not a regular. Yeah. But, um, it, but yeah, I'm well... Sloyan is great in everything he's in. He really is. Yep. Even Xanadu. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? What, you, what? Xanadu? Yeah, James Sloyan is in Xanadu. I, that's, I love that movie. When is, what is he in? What, what part of that? What, what? What? He's in the very beginning, and he appears one other time. So Michael Beck is paints album covers? Yes. Yeah. He's the guy that runs the company that he paints yes. the album covers Oh, for. my gosh. That's right. He's so young in that. <laughs> that's probably why I don't remember him. Nicely done, man. You were an you. IMDB of knowledge. <laughs> well, when I first so, – well, I bought Xanadu for my wife for Bad Movie Gift <laughs> and several I love years it. ago. <laughs> And we watched it, and it's one of the worst ones. It's she's so seen. bad. <laughs> um, but when I saw, when you hear James Sloyan's voice, it's much like hearing Renee's voice. Yeah, it's unmistakable. True. Um, yeah, I can immediately identify Sloyan and anything like that's the a, Lexus car commercials he did. That's for years. a riot. Um, I'm going to throw one other name at you for somebody who would have really nailed Ezral, and I'm going to say Sid. Sid oh, yeah. Alexander Sidig would have been amazing yep. if we didn't have he Renee really in this part. Yep. Um, just a little bit of, of, of wishful casting. Um, ultimately I would have liked to have seen the entire holographic crew played by people from deep space nine. Oh, wouldn't have that been cool? Like a <laughs> far beyond the stars part two. <laughs> in a way, in a way, you know, uh, maybe, maybe Liana's mother is Terry Farrell. Yeah. You yeah. know, or somebody else. Maybe it's, <laughs> uh, I don't know. But I think wow. that would have been a little fun exercise. That's kind of cool, man. Yeah. I, 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 we have so much fun. I mean, we did a whole episode on recasting DS9 years ago, and we had a blast with that. So, yeah, I think that's kind of – it's fun to do. We should do that with every episode we deep dive into. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll go back and we'll start with uh, the beginning, I guess. <laughs> no, I don't mean right now, though. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, so, Dan, you know, any final parting thoughts on Oasis as we sort of – wrap this one up and, and look to uh, 
we're almost at the end of the year here. So next yeah. uh, in a couple of weeks, we got a different Enterprise episode coming up. Yeah. Um, well, I guess what I would say is thank you for choosing this one because I didn't know how much it would affect me. And as sad as I am to see Renee again after his passing, and it, it just shows how much his passing hit me, um, I appreciate his work all that much more. And as we said, it would not be the same episode if he was not in it. He is he is and was a master at his craft. Um and I I wish we had more to watch of him. Uh yeah. it, it yeah. was it was it was worth watching. It was a it's a great way to to wind up this year's celebration of Enterprise 20 because we're going to continue it along uh, in 2022. Um, and it was a, a fantastic selection, man. And I, and I commend you for, for choosing this one to talk about. Oh, thank you. You know, I, if, you know, if you're a big fan of Renee's performances, Odo, if you're a big fan of Renee in anything, you really owe it to yourself to dial this one up again. Mm-hmm. Um, Oasis is worth the watch. It is, there's not a lot of high drama in this episode. There's not a lot of adventure. There's not a lot of like big explosions and shoot 'em ups. Um, a lot of flashlights. A lot of flashlights. Yeah. Th- this is this is a dramatic episode, and there are some hard choices in this episode. Um, and I think it all gets punctuated very well by just great performances all around. I, I will yeah. say, as much as I'm not a huge fan of Trip, Connor Trenier is actually really great in this episode. And I, I don't mean to say that like he's not great. Right. Um, but he really does a beautiful job with what they give him in those scenes, especially with Liana. I, I love the ice cream scene. Yeah. The ice cream scene is fantastic. Yeah. And because he's he's hurting. He's he knows that they're lying about something. He knows that they're keeping something from the, the crew of the uh, en- enterprise. Um, but he still has that um that affection that he's developing for her and he has to balance it before he kind of you know drops the hammer and says what aren't you telling us but the whole scene with the ice cream and then at the end when he gives her the the um matter replicator whatever it is is the protein resequencer the protein resequencer with with five kinds of ice cream including (laughs) rocky road i thought was a great way to to end quote unquote that relationship i liked it so let's say the trip hands you a protein resequencer with five flavors what five flavors of ice cream do you are hoping they're programmed in there Rocky Road is good. Heavenly Hash, which is kind of the same thing. It's kind of like Rocky Road. Yeah. Heavenly Hash, Peppermint, Pistachio, definitely Pistachio. Um, I I love pistachio ice cream, too. I'm not surprised. Um, And, you know, this is a weird one. Not many people like it, but I love butter pecan. You like all the flavors that I hate. (laughs) Oh, Um, those are all the flavors I also like in Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I'm I'm aware. (laughs) I'm aware. Um, Right off the bat, I'm taking mint chocolate chip. Mm Mm-hmm. Cookie taking, dough. Uh, no, we're talking my picks now. So uh, I didn't up. did my fifth. So that was my fifth. You sorry. actually get to get through five. I counted them on my <laughs> oh, damn my it. stubby little digits. Um, <laughs> I'm taking pure chocolate because I love chocolate ice cream. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love chocolate ice cream. Uh, I'm going to take fudge swirl because, I mean, as a kid, that was just, that was the best. I get vanilla and I get fudge. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take um, um, uh, a Vienna mocha chunk from friendlies it's like coffee ice cream with these dark chocolate chips oh, coffee i would put yeah coffee and then yeah that's uh, that's why i'm going for vienna mocha chunk because it's it's awesome yeah and then um i probably would take a really nice vanilla bean okay because um I, that's every now and then it goes with everything that's interesting i would take out the butter pecan and replace coffee um 
with with little like chocolate chunks in it because that's just fantastic. But it's funny, all of the ones that you chose, I except coffee, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't chose the, I wouldn't choose those at all. It wouldn't be in my list at all. Top. I gather that because your list didn't have them. Yeah, it's, they're 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 just like eh, they're meh meh they're meh flavors no, they're for me no, for me. Not. But your opinion is just as good as mine. No, mine's better. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> but you know, but you know what? When you really come right down to it, dude, who cares what flavor it is? It's ice cream. It's ice cream. <laughs> Am I right? Well, mostly because I mean, there's some flavors of ice cream that just make me gag. But largely, you're correct. Okay, thank you. Appreciate that. So, Dan, mm. at some point, you and I are going to go back and and continue our Enterprise Twenty celebration in 2022. And we'll call it Enterprise 20-something because we still have some Cedar Skippets to do. <laughs> yes. Uh, and some other episodes that we've really wanted to talk about. 2021 has been a challenging year for, well, the planet. Uh-huh. Um, yep. And we figured that um, there's no reason we can't do those later on. Uh, but we're still absolutely going to do them. I like that idea. And, and I'm all for it. And all those in favor say aye. Yes. Aye. And, and those opposed. And the motion carries. There you go. See how easy it is? It's that's amazing. A, that's a democracy in action, baby. <laughs> <laughs> wow that's yeah. uh thank you for the civics lesson i really I appreciate, appreciate that. that that's what i'm here for you know what else i appreciate dan mm, i bet i know i bet you do it's the mm-hmm. contributions of our friends the band five-year mission who are every bit of music you hear on the trek geeks podcast you know it, it it's amazing because it all started with an email saying hey would you guys be okay if we used your music in our brand new podcast that was almost seven years ago <laughs> and now they've got a podcast on the network. They've got more albums. Um, they they're they're just they're doing it all, dude. What's the name of the podcast? The I don't know if you can believe this. You might want to write it down. <laughs> but it's Five Year Mission, the podcast. Get out. I know. No, no. Get out. All right, I'm leaving. <laughs> but no, in addition to their podcast, get all their albums. Go to yeah. fiveyearmission.net. There's year one, year two, year three, year four, Spox Brain, Trouble with Tribbles. And rumor has it they could be starting to plan year five. Yeah. Um, which I think is awesome. I, I it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen sooner rather than later. So we're gonna have to uh we're gonna have to, you know, you know, make that happen. Let's 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 talk to the people. Yeah, why don't, yeah, you get right on that. I'll, I'll take care of that. Anyway. In the meantime, head on out to Five Year Mission. Get all their discs because mm. we love that physical media. Yeah. You own it forever and become a huge fan of the band as we are ourselves. FiveYearMission.net, Dan. Go get some music. Absolutely. You're going to love it. You, it's it's going to grow on you. Not like a fungus because that's in a bad sense, but in a good sense. It's like the fungus that grows on uh, Stephen King in Creepshow. I am digressing again. I'm going to get right back on track. I'm sorry. I could let's, just see. Let's... let's dispense with the whole fungus analogy yes absolutely it's not it's it's great music you're gonna love it but i gotta say in all seriousness bill because i like to joke around (laughs) enterprise 20 has been an absolutely wonderful celebration and as you just alluded to it's going to continue into 2022 but you know i feel that there have been there should have been more pomp and circumstance associated with the celebration you know more music from perhaps our favorite star trek band maybe like when a new emperor is crowned in a mirror universe, maybe you're going to get a lot of pomp and circumstance. Or when, I don't know, a ship from another dimension is found, which is far superior to anything in the fleet. Well, that's what happens in this latest episode, man. A struggling musician found a way to rule through fear and power as the ultimate ruler of the galaxy. Check it out. Enterprise 20 celebration in a mirror Farkley. Two-parter, 
two parts of awesome sauce right there in a mirror Farkley. Mm-hmm. I, uh, oh boy. It's, you know, how's that? You would think that, now? uh, I, I wish it would overtake me and, <laughs> and put me in a hospital, maybe in a coma. Um, uh, that, that, that's just, yeah, I long for the day when you try. That's, that's you know, really that's, all I'm saying. You know, that's never going to happen. Fiveyearmission.net. Um, Ignore Dan and just go get the band's discs. I'm begging you, please. Please. Yeah. Of course, don't forget that you too can help support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon, where you get uh, some you know, some raw audio and some special perks and, and just stuff, Stan. Yeah, you can hear all the mistakes I make when Bill doesn't edit them out for the Rob and does edit them out for the release, which even like this happen. mistake right now. Exactly. Exactly. I don't even know what I'm saying, but I'm having a good time trying. <laughs> you know, we have a good time. Nobody's going to say that we don't. That's for sure. Um, we're not winning any awards, not, but we're having no, a damn good time. We are not winning any awards except maybe Dan the Dummy Award, but that's fine. I will gladly put it with all my other trophies of that award. Um, right now, though, I'm going to stop and just thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks because we are so grateful for their support. And they are Vikram Bhatt, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Peter Hong, William Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Aaron Mollenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins. You know, when you see Twitter later, or actually, and you see that quote come out about we're not winning any awards, you'll know it was from this moment right here. <laughs> um, and for those of you listening, if you look back, you'll know what happened in this moment. <laughs> yeah. We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood. Now you met him in Florida. Yes. And we've been saying his name wrong the whole time. I know. Lionel, my buddy, my friend, my pal. It was great to meet him. Great to meet him. Lionel Marchand. Lionel. <laughs> I'm sorry, my dear friend. I'm sorry. And can mm. I say before you continue, one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. I'm just going to say that right now. Just say I. I, I, and plus, you you met him in you, you were at uh, Downtown Disney or Disney Springs as it's Disney known. Springs. Yes, my bad. Correct. Yep. Yep. Anyway, yes. Continue. Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shasky, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. I'd just like to point out to all the other producers and associate producers that Dan has met, he thinks you're pretty amazing, too. They all just are, actually. That they all are. You know, I'm just trying to, you know, throw some sugar on the top of the sundae. You know what I'm saying? I do. Dan, <laughs> the senior producer of Trek Geeks, is the incredibly intelligent and inspiring June Tapman. He's pretty cool, too. Yes. Yeah, he really is. Uh, you too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. You know, next week, you actually referenced it in your Farkism, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, we're going to visit that strange universe that you love so much for some reason to talk about yet another episode 
and kind of celebrate the final days of Enterprise 20 before it becomes Enterprise 21. Yeah, indeed we will, my friend. And, you know, it was something we were planning to do earlier this year, but our schedule just didn't allow for it. We had to juggle some things. We had some guests and whatnot. Uh, but next time we sit down to talk here on Trek Geeks, we will finally return to the Mirror Universe to talk all about Enterprise Season 4's In a Mirror Darkly. Two-parter. Mirror Universe. Awesome. The Defiant. Archer in TOS Threads exploding tholians and really really bad gorn cgi it's all next time on trek geeks the flagship of the trek geeks podcast network this has the potential to be an episode where you and i have a vast disagreement (laughs) which is a rarity on trek geeks Uh, i'm not going to say that i love the episode i'll tell you that right now (laughs) uh we're going to talk about it more in a couple weeks but uh suffice it to say the mirror universe has been a bridge too far ah um okay. yeah see what you did there you know for more great star trek discussion please check out the other member podcast on the trek geeks podcast network so many fantastic shows all created by passionate fans who just want to celebrate star trek and gene's vision you can find all our podcasts in the free trek geeks mobile app or get a link to your favorite podcast player by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen the trek geeks podcast network no one talks trek like we do they really don't. Of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 274 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Have yourself a merry little coconut. Aaron, I didn't know Aaron Neville was coming by. Have, I, I saved some surprises for you, my friend. Oh, I didn't get him anything. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Bong, Daniel. <laughs> Big Bong. <laughs> so, so apparently, yeah. Bing Bong has become a thing. It should be a hashtag or a T-shirt. Well, no, but I mean, it's a TikTok audio trend. Now, I, I don't follow. I have. I don't have TikTok or anything, so I would not know. I don't either. Yeah. But I do have the internet, and I do read about things. I don't have yeah, the TikTok. If, anytime I see something TikTok, I usually just skip it. Um, but, but apparently it, it, it ties back to something in New York and I could really, I really couldn't care less because we were doing it long before anyone else was. Trendsetters, yo. Trend, trend setters. Yeah. And I'm not and talking it's all about a dog. Of, yeah, I know. Right. Well, and it, it happened because at one point when we started, re- we were recording the show, we were doing it on zoom. Yes. And when you load up a zoom meeting, it goes bing bong. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where Bing Bong started, for the those days. wondering. Yeah. yeah. 
So now we these do days it. we do it manually. Manually, different voices, different accents, different notes, different pitches, everything. everything. So I'd like to think that we were the original Bing Bong trend. The Bing Bong OG, so to speak. I would <laughs> gladly pay you money if you never re- use that term again. I get that. I will gladly do it for free. Do you I, know I'm what an OG is? Original gangsta, isn't it? That's that's very good. I'm surprised you actually know that. Thank you. I watch T- TNT or TBS or whatever show it's on. There's I, a yeah, show called... You don't listen to hip hop. No, not, not at all. <laughs> not, or if I do, I don't realize I am, so... <laughs> I don't see you uh, dialing up any Tupac on Spotify. I don't. I don't know if Tony Braxton is a is a hip hopper. <laughs> one time I is. said, one time I said Tupac, and you thought I said Tuvok, and you said I love Tim Russ. <laughs> I did. That sounds like me. Yeah, it really does. I do yeah. love Tim Russ, though. He's a great singer, also. He's, actually, <laughs> Tim is amazing. Band. I I yeah. love him. He's great. He's fantastic. Um, we saw him at Truck Boss in 2014. Yeah, we did. That's the only time I've seen him, to be honest. I've ne- I haven't seen, we haven't seen him in Vegas or anything like that. He's been changed. there at least yeah. one or two of the times we've been there. We just haven't seen, oh, yeah. you know, we, we didn't, uh, our people didn't talk to his people. I know. We should, we should, well, that's my fault then, because, yeah. Don't I know it? <laughs> I'll, I'll take the blame. I'll step on the rake. I always do anyway, right? <laughs> Inadvertently or on purpose, doesn't really matter. Boing! Boing! Yeah. So, <laughs> so I got to tell you, and I got to tell all the listeners. I got the booster on Saturday afternoon. The for what? The, for COVID, the booster. Oh, the, the COVID, COVID booster. booster. I'm like, you got a booster seat? You're you're yeah, already yeah. like six feet tall. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know. So yeah, I got the Pfizer booster, which I recommend, of course, everybody get vaccinated, get your boosters. Dude, I have never been sicker in my entire life as I was Sunday. It was one of the worst days I have ever experienced. It was hell on earth. It was awful. That's amazing to me because when we had our, you and I had our first and second doses, yep. you really didn't have much of a Very reaction slight. at all. Yep. And I felt like I had the flu. Yep. I felt um, like I had been run over by a truck that had a train fall on it after a jet exploded above it. And with my booster, which I got actually several weeks before they became generally available, um, I had no reaction at all. Oh, lucky. Which was amazing. I hope nobody gets a reaction like I did. I was, I I was exploding out of everything. I will leave it at that. <laughs> Several times, uh, top and bottom, it was awful. I was I was so achy I could barely move. I had to like shift my position every fifteen minutes because I was so uncomfortable. I, I was I was hallucinating. Sue said Sue said I kept saying I wanted to go for a ride in our helicopter. And the last time I checked, we don't have a helicopter, so that was interesting. Um, but it was bad. It was. Bad, I'm gonna have bad. to take a look at the Trek Geeks budget because I don't know how you've afforded a helicopter. Um, <laughs> and I know painted, I gave you a podcasting empire, but <laughs> let's be serious here. It's painted a TOS gray, so it's pretty nice. And the registration is NCC one seven zero. I don't think that's true. It's not true at all. No, it isn't. But if I did have a helicopter, that would be it. Anyway, so so yeah, it was wow. bad, but I'm all better. I'm all better, so thank well, you. I'm all better. Thank you for your consider your concern. I appreciate it. I was not concerned. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> that's good. And none of the listeners are concerned either, so I guess I'm talking to myself. They're like, he's here now, so. <laughs> so that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway. It really is. So the, uh, can you believe that Christmas is like a, a week and a half away? No. No, not at all. Well, here's the thing. I literally have been... 
uh, my, my Christmas spirit has been absent for the last five years. Yes, I know. And really it kind of went away when my mom died. Yep. Um, I just, I don't, I, it's, I, I can't bring myself to do it. I just don't feel it. So um, Kelly and I really just don't give gifts anymore because yep. we, we have everything we want. Um, we eat some good food. We watch some bad movies. We'll watch, uh, all the Christmas episodes of the office on Christmas day. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I just, I don't, I don't see the point anymore. You know? Yeah. This is going to be a tough one for us, of course, cause it's going to be our first one without dad, but yeah. I'm just, I'm so tired of the materialistic BS that goes on with the holiday season. Same. And, and we have people that are, are in the family that are like so hyped up for that. And I finally said, no, we're not, we're not doing it. It's a joke. It's supposed to be about getting together with family. So if you want to get something for people, fine, but don't expect anything in return because that's not what it's about. And we're finally coming to the realization of that and we're putting our foot down. It's just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, when you start getting commercials on TV for all the Christmas gifts that you can get people in August, it's starting to get, it's getting out of hand. Um, so people need to remember what the spirit of the holidays is. And so we are, are, are preaching or what we sow or whatever the phrase is. I don't even know what it is, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So there you go. So you're not getting anything. Sorry. (laughs) Well, and that's, I mean, that's fine though, because I mean, you and I pretty much have the things we want. And when we see something we don't have, we go and we get it. Right. Yeah. Soon I'll give a couple of little things to each other, but that's really about it. That's all we really want to do. Kelly and I will exchange bad movies for yep. this year on Christmas Eve like we normally do. What'd you get her? Um, she doesn't <laughs> listen, so. That's true. She really doesn't. Yeah. But I don't want somebody, because oh, there are yeah. people smart enough that know her yep. handle on Twitter. Yep. And I don't want them to mention. I'll tell you off recording. Okay. I, I, I can appreciate that. Okay. Um, I had two, and I, I the second one I bought late because I watched it recently, and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is the one. Um, <laughs> okay. So I've got next year's too, um, nice. which I don't remember what it is now. Okay, well that's that's like you, so that's a, that's okay. Last year, mm. I got her the Velocipaster. <laughs> it's about I a priest. Can. Yeah, see if you can guess. a Velociraptor turns that can one? turn into a Velociraptor. That's correct. <laughs> wow, it is. It, it's so bad. It's good. <laughs> Don't you love those movies? It's like all the shark movies that they make different things out of. Like, yeah, like Santa Jaws was one I saw recently. No, I didn't yeah, see I it. I saw the, I saw the I saw the I saw the poster for it. I would not watch that. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. I no, I'm not into those. I tried to watch Sharknado, the first one, and I shut it off. I, the first like, one's I, brilliant. I, I just I just couldn't I couldn't do it. I, I love that it's so putrid. That it's entertaining. <laughs> and then it, it it became a mockery of itself, which I think was ultimately Absolutely. the best thing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. It knows it's not great television. Yeah, yeah. The people behind it know it's not, it's not going to win Emmys. No, no, it's going to no. win Razzies. This is not Star Trek. <laughs> um, but I, I, I unabashedly love all the Sharknado movies because they're just so dumb. Yes. Speaking of shark movies, uh, I thought you were going to say speaking of dumb. Hey, Bill, of, <laughs> see, I'm see, holiday spirit. You, you get a you get a break from that for a, for a couple. I'm boycotting minutes. holidays. Um, okay, okay. Hey, Bill, uh, dumb. Uh, <laughs> hey, on dumb. The, on on the way down to Florida, I watched the movie Unhinged, which is with Russell Crowe as we as saw as it. Wrote. Oh my God! I'm never going to flip off a guy on the car in a car again. So you Whoa. and I were recording the podcast one night. 
and Kelly started watching it downstairs. Oh my goodness. And I think we had a long interview where the session went long. It was longer than we normally spend recording. And when I came down, she had finished it and she's like, you got, I'm stunned by how much I enjoyed this movie. You've got to watch it. It was great. Uh, It was scary. It was great because it was real. Yeah. Russell Crowe is fantastic in uh, he's it. Fan- he's put on about a buck 20 for that movie, it looked like. Easily. He was a big boy, but oh my God, he was so demonic in that movie. It was Jimmy was so Simpson good. is in that movie from yes. Star Trek Prodigy. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it was um, it was good. And then on the way home, I watched 47 Meters Down Uncaged. Speaking of shark movies, that's what I was going to start with. Is is it really a shark thing? Is it like a documentary? Yeah. It's a bunch of a bu- a girls are a, a in Mexico somewhere, and they find this this uh, watering water pond that goes down into tunnels where there are buried Aztec ruins, and there are blind great white sharks down there. Is is this a, like a, a fictional thing, or is no, this real? Well, yeah, it's fictional, um, but and it's a horror movie. Um, it, it was there. It was we o- go. It was there's okay. the tie-in for Dan. It was okay. Um, well, sharks and horror movie. You know, I'm gonna probably watch it, and uh, but uh, it was. It was it was good. It was it was all right. Yeah, and and a couple times, not li- not very much unlike me, I jumped out of my chair in the in the on the plane, and startled my wife because there were a couple like blah moments. So yeah. So it's amazing. You won't you won't have a few drinks and watch Sharknado, but you'll watch that. <laughs> yeah, it's more realistic. <laughs> oh, of course it is. <laughs> Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we start, I know our outtakes running long today, but I want to take a moment to thank everybody who's reached out with their condolences. On uh, the passing of our dog, Abby. Absolutely. Um, Abby was the light in our day and the love of our lives, and I miss her terribly. I know you do, man, and I do too. I got the opportunity to to spend some time with her a couple of times, and she was a joy. And I know how difficult it has been for you, and uh, I know that everybody on the network, all of our listeners, all of your family, and all of your friends are right there for you and Kelly all the time, 100%. You know, they say that, that dogs in particular come into your life when you need them. And I don't think we realized just how much we needed Abby in our lives. Mm-hmm. She, um, I obviously can't look anywhere in this house without finding dog hair at the moment. Right. <laughs> and you don't want to vacuum it. I don't. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, she's got a bed practically in every room. Yeah. Um, how many podcast sessions were we up here during this <laughs> pandemic where Abby was, you know, leaning, doing the full lean back, exposing her belly <laughs> while I'm trying to record. Yeah. And we had to take breaks just so I could rub bellies. Yeah. Um, they'll never be another one. Never. Um, we'll have other dogs in our life, mm-hmm. but she was my heart dog and it's, yep. um, it's tough this year. I'm not going to lie. She was your fury to me. Fury was, she mine. was Abby is yours and th- that will never change. You're going to love the other dogs that you have all through your life, but it will never be Abby. But, uh, our condolences, man, I know it's been tough. It was, t- it, it, it hit Sue and I a lot harder than I thought it would, to be honest Same. with you. Um, so, and I, I knew that it was unexpected for you. It was not something that you had planned to have happen. Um, I've been very lucky where all of our, our, our um, pups have passed because of old age. Um, yeah. and when something like that happens, you're not prepared for it. So, um, we're always here for you, man. Always and well, forever. I appreciate that. And it's, um, in a way it's, it's kind of good and cathartic to be back behind a microphone, even though it feels really weird, um, to have that little bit of normalcy. You get to see my face. Oh God! I see. I'd rather see the furry face behind you that's passed out on the bed. <laughs> She's passed right out. Both of them are. And there's the other one. <laughs> and we're talking about Dan's dogs. Yes, <laughs> not anybody else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. They they are out like lights. That's so adorable. Yeah. Nah. All right. Well, you uh, you ready to do this? 
Yes, I am. It's going to be a tough one, but I'm ready. You know, we're talking about tough stuff. It's going to be a tough episode. I don't know if I'm ready, but let's do it anyway. All right. Here we go.